Hour number two of the Jose Gonzalez Show starts now. Of the Jose Gonzalez Show gets going right about now. And that is a lot of minutes and uh, quite a bit of seconds. Past the hour of 8 a.m. here in Fresno, California. Appreciate every single one of you for being here, for listening, and for being a part of the conversation. As always, I am grateful to every single one of you uh, that tune into the Jose Gonzalez Show, that uh, reach out, that uh, have a conversation with me. I'm uh, just eternally grateful for that. Uh, the Chicken Shack Cutline, we have our guy on it right now but hey when when uh, me and gus stop yelling at each other you can call the chicken shack hotline as well 559-320-1430 that is our chicken shack hotline the current temperature in the city of fresno it is currently 37 degrees uh the expected high today in fresno is 52 that's a little bit of a jump there for us we've been hovering around that 48 degrees um rain last night into the early morning um but again 52 degrees the expected high today nothing but sunshine um here uh until about six o'clock and then uh, some clouds come in to ruin the rest of the day. No, I'm kidding. But it, it's gonna, already going to be dark. It's already going to be the sunset is at 5.02 today. So do with that information what you will. Tomorrow, 52 degrees, 32 the overnight low. Saturday, 47 degrees, 35 the overnight low. 60% chance of rain on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, 57 degrees, 42 uh, the overnight low. And the next week, we will get back into the 60s. So our very, very condensed winter, apparently, here in Fresno, has come and gone in the last three weeks. So, hey, be, be, be happy for that because, look, I'm not going to go into all of the other stuff and climate. You know, we're a sports station. But I'm just saying I'm a fan of warm weather days as opposed to the cold. I hate the cold. I can't say that any other way than exactly the way I'm saying it. Maybe I can use a different synonym in saying I detest the cold, and maybe that's a little harsher. Um, but anyway, every weather report is brought to you by our friends at Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating. If you have an AC heater unit issue, which I told you a story earlier this week of an issue of my neighbor uh, that uh, they had uh, the, the house behind us. I'm going to tell Gus the story really quickly here as well when we come back but that's lee's air plumbing and heating they have got you covered gus joins us every single thursday top of hour number two uh he is my longest radio friend um and uh you know we met when i was 13 i'm 47 now so you know do the math of how old he is um gus joins me now gus good morning to you <laughs> good, good morning your math was shockingly accurate which is uh, surprising. <laughs> i 
I also did enjoy your description of uh, Fresno winter, which uh, can always last anywhere between 45 minutes and one week. So that, that was yeah, g- give, give or take 24 hours, you know? Yeah, well, you know, there's a range. There's a range. <laughs> oh, but, my uh, goodness. Nice to you, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good. Now, the story that I had for you, Gus, is because, so I, I'm, you know me, I'm, 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 I'm a man of uh, many words on the radio, but I'm a man of few words off the radio. Um, and, uh, everybody always asks me like, how, how do you talk for a living? And I don't know. Uh, you know, I, 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 I just do it. They say I'm okay. And sometimes they say I suck, but you know, I deal with it. Um, but uh, the, the, the house behind us, the wife and I were in, um, in the backyard throwing uh, the toy with our dog. He, he, he loves playing fetch even in extremely cold weather. Um, so the wife and I bear that in, uh, sitting in the backyard, it was like, 38 degrees so apparently the house behind us decided to turn on their heater for the first time um the winter season which obviously it hasn't been that cold um my wife yells at me and says it's absolutely cold i say just put it you know just put three blankets you're fine um well the heater um was like spitting out flames from under it um there was like this loud like it was a boom and I ducked. That's how loud it was. I was like, oh, what, what, what just happened? Uh, and so I started looking at it, started paying attention. And then uh, I just told my wife, I was like, you know, what, let's just go inside. I, I, I don't know what the heck that was. Let's just go inside. She goes, no, I think it was their, their, uh, their unit. I'm like, nah, let's just go inside. Uh, but she adamant because she's a better person than I am. And uh, she, uh, we heard the noise again. We saw the flames this time clearly. Uh, I... Then told her to go inside. I said, I, I need to make sure we record this because I don't want to be told I'm crazy. Um, I sat there for 10 minutes. Nothing happened. Uh, then as, as I began to walk inside, it did it again. I almost ran into the house, left a uh, Kool-Aid man-sized hole in our uh, in our stucco. Uh, but no, no. They, I, I ended up having to call the fire department, and then they... Um, they're like, okay, you know, stay around if we need you. And I'm like, well, if you need me, you know, you could just talk to me over the fence. Yeah. You, you know, home improvement style. No, uh, they, they then called me. They said, Hey, can you come over here to talk to the firefighters on site? I'm like, see, this is why I didn't want to get involved. Now I have to drive somewhere because they don't want to talk to me over the fence. I had to drive around the neighborhood to get to the house behind us. Um, and then I talked to the firefighters. I could see it in their face. Didn't believe me. Didn't believe me one bit. They're like, mm, this guy, uh, I don't know. I don't know about this guy right now. And they went up. They turned it on. It happened at their feet. And they said, uh, yeah, turn this off. Don't turn it back on. Um, and make sure someone comes out uh, the fastest they possibly can. But do not turn this unit on again. Um, and uh, so that happened to us. And I'm like, yeah, hey, that's a perfect story. Where were the neighbors during all this? It's their unit, isn't it? Where, where are they? Yeah, so I asked the same question, and apparently, um, I, I don't know if they have teenage uh, boys, but they said their, their sons were home, um, and that one son said the wall was shaking. The other son said it was a firework. It's fine. We're good. It was, it was nothing. I haven't heard it since. It was just a firework. Um, and uh, the parents apparently were 
arriving at the home as the fire trucks were turning into their neighborhood, into our neighborhood, um, or onto their street. So they said they were very surprised when the fire department parked behind their vehicles um, when they got home. So they had just gotten home and said that it was the first time that their their sons had called them. They said, yeah, turn it on if it's that cold. And it was the first time they'd turn on the unit in that entire time. Apparently, that is one too many times. They yeah. burned down the damn neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I was like, oh. And they were like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I was like, you know what? I love getting credit. I love getting credit for things. You know, they, that's that's us sports guys, right? We love credit. Um, but I went, yeah. Well, there's, there's two parts of this story, though, that I don't. One is you should get tremendous credit. You just stop these people from one, either burning down their house or possibly their children, God forbid. But more importantly, I find it hilarious that there's somebody that lives right next door or right behind you, and you had to drive to their house. Yeah. Can we, get, can we discuss that briefly? So I am not a man of exercise. Um, the, I, I could have walked, <laughs> absolutely. I know, I know, you're right. I could have walked, Gus, but guess what? I have a car. I don't want to walk. Um, and that's what's wrong with our society nowadays. Pretend you're playing soccer, jog halfway there, go down like you were shot. You want me to lose a lung? You want me to jog there and lose a lung? No. No. You can fake an injury two or three times on the way there like a normal soccer player. You're fine. I rather not. Uh, I'd rather spend five dollars of. Uh, it was probably like thirty cents of gas. But I like. I rather jump in my car with a little bit of heat um, in there than walking in thirty-eight degree weather to the other side of the neighborhood. Um, because you took an Uber. Okay. Well, when I tell the story, you took an Uber to your next door neighbor. Yeah, I, I called. Well, uh, yeah, I, I called the Uber. Um, I checked Lyft to see if the price was a little bit less expensive. <laughs> Um, you know how we all do it. And uh, then, you know, I, I was like, you know what? I want to ride in style. I want to arrive in style. So I got the luxury one. Um, what is it? The Uber Uber Black or Uber X, whatever the heck it's called. Um, I did one of those. So that's the story. Right there. <laughs> that, is, that is very nice. You were, you know what? I got to be honest with you. To me, you're still always that 13-year-old that I first met. And yet now you're like, Man, I got to go all the way to the living room. Oh, all right. You know what? Can somebody pick me up and bring me there? I, the, when did you turn into me? What uh, well, when, uh, yeah, yeah, I've always, yeah, I've always been a little lazy. Um, my wife was like, oh, are you going to, she told me, she goes, are you, you going to walk? And I said, are you going to walk? Are you, are you going to walk? I don't think you would walk. So I'm not walking. And then I took her car. Um, so. Technically I didn't waste any, any gas whatsoever. Uh, no, but, uh, you know. Uh, they, they were trying to give me all this credit, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to act like I'm the best person in the world. They're like, you got to give my wife credit. She's the one who made me stay outside and actually look at this and uh, make sure that you guys were fine. I'm like, my wife's the better person than I am because I thought it was a firework, and I was just going to walk inside. Um, and they're like, well, yeah, yeah, tell your wife. Uh, very, very thank you. Um, and then, Gus, I told her, I was like, hey, we, we, we were hungry already. So it's like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to stop, come out, let's go get some food. Um, and I was like, hey, should we tell them that we're heroes so we can get some free food right now? Um, and that's why I am not a firefighter, because I would be looking for credit all the time. Um, yeah, that is one reason why you're not a firefighter. <laughs> also, apparently, you would have to Uber to the ladder, which is also another another issue. That, that Well, um, there are many issues. Uh, height, um, uh, you know, endurance, um, you know, I, I, yeah, there, there's just many, many, many issues. But anyways, so let, go ahead. 
But let, let me add this one, one, one last thing here, and not to cause any uh, problems in the neighborhood. But if your neighbors are listening, you cheap bastards, you should have bought these people <laughs> some dinner. They just saved your house and possibly your children, and you're like, cool, thanks, we'll see you in July. Like, what is that crap? You want to know the best, best part about that? We didn't, I never met them, never talked to them, never heard them in the backyard. I even went on the fire department when I was talking. I was like, hey, I don't know if people live there. Like, that's the extent of this where I was like, I just know that I heard it click, heard this, heard that, um, and, uh, and, and it went through all of that. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I, uh, there's one board that I had to fix on our, uh, on our backyard fence. I was like, hey, I think I think uh, they they owe us one. They 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 should agree to to help us replace the entire uh, fence in the back to we can put a new one. Um, At know. least dinner, something. Come on now, <laughs> you're saving the house. Yeah, well, saying, look, if I take in their package for three days while they're out of town, I want some sort of reward. You saved the house from burning down. Give them something, people. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, I, uh I, yeah, I like credit, and that's why I'm talking about it on the radio. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just again, I'm gonna give Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating a, a, a pub here because hey, they're our weather sponsor, and this is the perfect thing that I'm like, hey, this is why you clean your units, this is why you uh, go and maintenance them and do that because you never know what could happen. Now there is absolute craziness happening in the NFL right now. Um, what was which, which one surprised you the most? Because I think the Bill Belichick one um, was uh, seemingly uh, the one that we knew was coming. We didn't know if it actually was going to happen, but we had inklings that it was going to go down. We, we just were like, um, this team looks like they want to go in a different direction, new direction. Nick Saban retires yesterday from Alabama. That's surprising. And then mutually, in quotes, uh, agreeing to part ways in Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. So Pete Carroll moving into uh, the front office in some sort of advisory uh, role in there. They're still figuring that out. What, what surprised you the most and what were your reactions to the news? Actually, probably, well, as far as the firings or let goes or resignations or however they're listing all of these things, I would say the Pete Carroll one was the biggest surprise because we all saw the Belichick thing come and they've been talking about it for a little while. Although the biggest surprise out of all of it to me is that they're saying Belichick still plans on coaching. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of surprised me. He's only I mean, 15 wins away, the- Gus. Only 15 away from the great John Don Shula. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's enough, but that, that's enough right there to, one, keep you interested, and certainly there are other teams that sign players and coaches because they'd like to at least uh, market that milestone, so that would also make sense, but, you know, you just, when you've been to the mountaintop and stayed there for as long as he has, it seems tough to want to start over. It also sometimes seems like a strange... Oh, oh, almost a throwback to a different era where obviously now, I mean, he is, he runs such a tight ship where everybody is, you know, living that Patriot life. And, you know, most other teams now it's like players put their headsets on and they don't, you know, they put their headphones on and you don't talk to each other all that much. They're doing other stuff. So, you know, it seems like a different era. I'm surprised he still wants to coach Carol. I mean, look, I, I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick, if he doesn't coach, he and Saban are going out and doing a comedy duo. They're going to go hit the road, 
as the two least funniest people of all time. Uh, but that those two should be on TV together because that is just an insane amount of knowledge, um, except for there's no personality. So I don't know who's going to watch it. But neither one of those are a surprise. It's just to me like, hey, time to go. What else can we accomplish here? Pete Carroll, I, I, they can say mutually all they want. I can't believe for a second that he wanted to leave. No, I, there, there's no way that he, he wanted to go and uh, he fought for it and he wanted to stay. And uh, they said, we'll see you later. Uh, we we, we want to move in a different direction. And he had 10 plus years. Uh, it, it feels like just yesterday, Pete Carroll was being hired away from USC um, after he, you know, put USC in probation and uh, then took the Seattle job. Um, but uh, man, like it, it's crazy to look back at this because um, obviously it was your adult life, but for me, it was a transition from my youth into my adult life of seeing these guys go out there and then kind of they're they've been the known thing for me, right? Nick Saban's been the known head coach, Bill Belichick, the known head coach, Pete Carroll, since he left USC, the known head coach. Like it's insane to me to see these guys moving away. Now, um, the, the thought is that Bill Belichick, uh, is the favorite not maybe maybe he's not saying he it wants the job but the Falcons are making him the favorite for the job um I, I I don't see him going to the west coast I see him staying on the east coast the two teams that I am seeing potentially and that I'm looking at sources that that uh, uh they're reporting and all of those things I'm seeing the Washington Commanders and the Atlanta Falcons at the two destinations. Do you uh, see either um, more than the other in this case? I think the Atlanta Falcons have long leashes with head coaches. I think they're not that far away. The Commanders are still, uh, both of which are still a quarterback away. Do you see them going to either one of those two teams? Uh, not really. I mean, look, first of all, I can't see uh, after what he's been through the last few years. I can't see him going anywhere unless he is fully convinced with the quarterback situation. Obviously, he's a great coach. He has a tremendous amount of success. But would they miss the playoffs three of the last four years since Brady's, since Brady's been done? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a tougher animal, and he's not a young man anymore where I'm sure he's like, well, we'll, we'll make it an eight-year plan. Like, I can't see that happening. So, I just – like, the only reason I would think – he would consider something like Washington would be if they just give him the reins to everything. And they're like, you know what? This organization has been a mess for so long. Anything you want, do it. You run everything. Like if they give him that, then okay, maybe. But again, I can't see him going to a place where he feels like I am going to struggle for two years. That's not what he wants to do. He's already seems like a miserable human being. <laughs> I can't imagine he wants to put himself into a tough situation for the next short time frame. Um, Atlanta feels like they have some pieces, but obviously that quarterback is a huge question mark. Um, so th that's possible. And I would think he's going to get, he's going to get more, more power than most people in his position obviously would get. Um, you know, it's like hiring Bill Parcells back in the day. It's like, if you're going to get mm -hmm. him, you're going to have to give him a lot of leeway, either the GM job as well or just an immense amount of say. And, you know, I can see that maybe with Atlanta. But, again, I think it's all going to come down to the, to the quarterback. He's not looking to go back into another situation 
and trying to make some kid work at quarterback because that doesn't work anymore. Yeah, the, the Atlanta Falcons have a lot of young talent. Bijan Robinson in the backfield there, he was misused in my eyes. Kyle Pitts, he's a big-time tight end um, that seems to be underused, bad, uh, badly utilized there in Atlanta. Um, Bill Belichick seemed to know how to push the buttons in New England when he had the right pieces. Interested uh, to see how that could potentially uh, shape out. Jared Mayo as well as uh, Mike Vrabel are the favorites for that job. Now, um, something that interests me um, about this conversation and Nick Saban, because I I really want to know your take on uh, the fact that uh, Nick Saban steps away Now, the transfer portal has been a huge topic of conversation in the fact that players can now leave and they don't have to be there for three years before they leave or there's no minimum requirement. Now, after their freshman year, they can go. Alabama's main main part of their success in my eyes was that players had to sit behind other great players, that a junior and a senior was going to be starting and the freshman was going to sit behind them, wait their turn, and maybe their sophomore year, but probably their junior year, get an opportunity to start at Alabama. Um, And that's a way that I believe Nick Saban was able to keep a hold on the talent in the uh, NCAA in college football. Do you think that uh, the transfer portal and the fact that players don't have to stay there and take the uh, uh, Tarantia's beating verbally that uh, Nick Saban uh, puts upon his players and now they can say, you know what, screw this, I'm gone, I'm leaving. Why, why am I going to take this um, from you and you're not even starting me? Like I, I'm just going to go play somewhere else. Do you think that had a lot to do with Nick Saban stepping away? His age is up there. He's in his 70s as well. That is prior, probably a part of the uh, conversation as well. But but what about the transfer portal and the way NIL and all that stuff? Do you think that is the real reason uh, that Nick Saban is retiring from the game? I don't even think it's a question. I think it's 100% the reason. Now, look, him being in his 70s uh, obviously plays a role in it. Um, you know, and But similar to Belichick, there's an element of you've had a certain – you've had a, an unbelievable run. When that run seems to have come to an end, your decision is, do I try to start it all over again? That's a time frame. That's not a one-year thing. Um, and with him, now with Belichick, it's a little bit different, obviously, because you don't have this portal. You don't have, you know, you're not dealing with students. But in Alabama and with Saban, that, he had such a hold on, on college football because just – Every top player in the nation would, at, at the very least, give serious consideration to going to that school because of their success, because of how they crank out players to the NFL um, and things along those lines. And so now you kind of wipe a lot of that, make a lot of that even, give other teams the opportunity and other schools the opportunity to get kids. Now, whether it's a great system, because obviously these kids are getting paid now, it's you know, there should be more rules. I don't mind kids getting money, but there should be more rules as opposed to just, we're just going to pay you to come to this school, but we'll call it something else. Um, but that has somewhat evened the playing field, and all of a sudden, he doesn't have such an easy run to all the top players in, in the country. So 
I think he saw this as like, look, man, I don't, I no longer have the advantage, and I'm sure he didn't see it as him having an advantage. He probably sees it as him having built his advantage. But and he's not wrong. But I can't see him wanting to start over when they just basically removed his advantage, and now he would have to start from scratch again and battle everybody else evenly. That was never going to happen. I don't think that was ever going to happen. And I think he he would have fought the rule changes if he could have and kept himself with uh, with that advantage. But once that was gone, I think his days were numbered. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I see this situation as Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney seeing that uh, the absolute dominance and the in, in the grasp they had on college football slipped away very, very quickly um, and, uh, and going through it. Now, Deion Sanders went into this conversation, and I'm paraphrasing, but he's, he essentially said that is why Nick Saban. And they're like, um, the, the old heads in the game don't like where the game is going. And all they, they were doing a lot of this. And <clears throat> what I always go back to this and I go, why do we – why do we always act like it is bad for the players to make money, especially when head coaches are getting $10 million deals, $10 million deals. We're being, we're getting upset when players are starting to make some thousands of dollars, only a handful make millions. Um, and those are the absolute superstars that everybody knows across the country. Those guys get paid that way. Why is it that everybody keeps talking about, well, you know, like I get the transfer portal. I believe there should be some rules. I believe it shouldn't be like the Wild Wild West where uh, just the transfer portal comes in. I'm going to enter it because uh, people already were tampering and telling me how much money I can make in the transfer portal. I I believe um, that if we're going to go this route, obviously, I think players might not do this, but it's, it's contract time. It's time to sign contracts. It's a job. Just like any job, it's a job. Unless you want them to be at-will employees, which we do have in this country, um, it is a job. And if they're not under contract, um, there is no reason. Like this whole BS of telling me at the, oh, the education that they get, I don't care. I I, I don't. The education and the, it, it, that's all worth less um, than 30 years ago. It's worth less. It costs more and it's worth less, which is insane um, to think about. So, that, to me, all in its surroundings is kind of crazy. Now, continuing in the football trend, but going back to the NFL here, uh, Gus, um, your team, the New York football giants, um, well, they're having a little bit of uh, family, uh, what, is, what is it called? The, the housewives? Is that, is that what it's called? I was about to say family housewives, but that's not what that's called. Um, yeah, the real housewives. Real housewives. There we go. Real housewives. Um it seems like they are taking a page out of that book um, with Martindale insulting Dabble and then leaving, but not resigning, even though everybody believes he probably was resigning after Brian Dabble. I, I think, I think uh, he's an intelligent guy, but that to me seems like a dumb decision when he fired Martindale's right-hand guys. Like the two guys that he appreciates and wants the most on his staff, you let them go I don't know what you were thinking if you're Brian Dable. What do you see in that entire situation? Because if Martindale leaves, uh, that defense, uh, depending on who comes in, that defense is going to take a step back, I believe. Well, first of all, I think he is leaving. And I, I, I think he's gone. Um, that's, that's, that's right off the bat. I, I don't think – I'll say this. When there is turmoil 
when there when there is turmoil that we already know about, you know that it's like the iceberg theory. You're only you're only seeing the tip of it, um, and so whatever they are not happy with, and if if Dable is getting rid of his top couple of guys, there's a reason for that. Um, you know what I'm saying? And he's not happy with that, uh, I'm sure. But that didn't come out of nowhere. So whatever it is has been simmering behind the scenes for a while. Their defense has not performed. Going into mm-hmm. the season, everybody expected their defense to be significantly better. It did not perform up to the, uh, the level that everybody wanted it to. Now, I will say partially in his defense, because the defense had to stay on the field so damn much because our offense mm-hmm. um, So that's also a problem. But, you know, I think, I think after the season we had last year where we overachieved and then, not, like, and we said this going into the season, that bar is set higher probably than it should be. And when you don't reach those expectations, especially in New York, people are going to start bitching and complaining and looking for somebody to point the finger at. And there's a good chance people in that back room were just wanting to finger at each other. We're talking with our guy, I guess he joins us every single Thursday, top of hour number two. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it is a surprising thing to go through and, and, and see. Um, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. And on the other side, we'll talk about the NFL playoffs um, and uh, we'll pick our games. And, and Gus, it's times two. Every game is multiplied by two. All right, so um, I need to catch up. So I, I, I got to find a way to cheat my way into this. <laughs> so I'm okay. gonna. Right. Good rule change. Yeah, it's it's the best rule change. The NFL committee has decided on uh, that rule change. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show, 1430 ESPN Fresno, your local sports leader. Oh, we all believe. Well, I believe that I'm going to come back in this uh, in in this challenge, um, and I'm going to end up uh, surprising the world, everybody, and winning this whole thing. Yeah, uh, Gus, your thoughts? I don't think. Uh, so, can we get a score? Can we get a score count for this thing? Um, you are leading by seven. You are leading by seven. That's how I have honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to do total record because that would be me having to add up everything. I just go, okay, plus this, now again, minus this, plus that. I, that. That's how I've been doing it this year. I can't go back. I have all of our picks throughout um, written down. I can't go back and give you a total record, but I know you are up by seven. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> oh, see, if I cheated, no one would know. If I cheated, no one would know. I could have said you're. I'm. I'm down by two. I'm down. I'm just down by two. Um, let's get to the NFL. I feel like we would have known that. Mm, yeah, maybe. Um, let's get to the uh, playoff games. It is. It looks like it's going to be an entertaining weekend. Um, uh, between all of these two uh, games on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. Let's get to the Saturday one. Cleveland Browns take on the Houston Texans. This seems like it's going to be a fun one. Um, Joe Flacco sleeping on the sidelines is going to be interesting while the young guy in C.J. Stroud um, out there running laps because he's so energetic and young compared... No, just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, it just... This game seems like we're going to be in for a doozy uh, because these two teams are unpredictable and I think we might be in for a good one. This is, look, 
I don't think there's anybody in the world that would have predicted Houston versus Cleveland in a playoff game this year. So that alone is pretty damn cool. With Joe Flacco um, on the other side, by the way. That is, that is, you know what? And they wouldn't have predicted that five weeks ago when Flacco was sitting on his couch. So mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy matchup. Cleveland's defense has been good all year, but their offense has been great since Flacco is there, which – by the way, it does raise questions when Deshaun Watson comes back. But that being said, I'm going with Cleveland. I'm glad you went with Cleveland because uh, I think that the Houston Texans have a chance to surprise some people. And if the right games happen in front of them, I think they can win some of those. Um, I'm going to take the Houston Texans. Um, in this one, and uh, I might regret that, but I'm going to go with the Texans. Now, the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs uh, play, and uh, two teams that have uh, performed wildly, um, randomly. I don't know what the heck to uh, believe in both of them, but Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. Uh, Miami hasn't been able to beat teams that are above 500. Uh, I don't have confidence in Tuantunga Bailoa, and I believe if they lose this game, they should reevaluate the quarterback position. I know that's difficult to say. Um, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes scraping one out um, in the frigid cold of Kansas City. I believe game time temperature is 11 degrees. I'm going to take Kansas City in this one. You know, I've been saying all year, and I had Tua on my team, and anytime they would play a decent team, I would bench them because, because they don't beat good teams. Um, now you add in the fact that it's going to be freezing, and I can't see a team from Miami going in there and playing wonderfully in negative 30-degree temperature. That being said, I have no faith in Kansas City, which I haven't said since Mahomes is coming to the league. They, now, I have enough faith in him to always be good and competitive and have a chance to win because Mahomes and Reed, but, you know, that once teams started uh, bracketing Kelsey, that, that offense is far from, uh, from a sure thing. I'm going with Miami. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. I'm going to pick up games there. Um, the, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills, I, I think you and I can agree. Bills on this one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. No need to even analyze that mess. Do you believe the Bills have a chance to make a run to the Super Bowl? I certainly do. The Bills can get hot and beat anybody. The Bills can also lose to anybody. Yeah, that 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 is that is yeah that that has been their season. The Dallas Cowboys play host to the Green Bay Packers. Um, last time this happened, uh, Des Bryant caught one and fumbled it. Um, or wait, it wasn't a catch. Um, but uh, I, this is the first time they see Jordan Love has a chance um, to uh, essentially give the metaphorical middle finger to every hater of Jordan Love this season that said he wasn't the guy. He has an opportunity uh, to get the Green Bay Packers into the divisional uh, round. Even with all of that, I just can't pick against the Cowboys at least this week. Next week could be a different story. I have Dallas beating Green Bay. I don't like McCarthy, and I'd like to root against Dallas, but yeah, I don't I don't have any faith in Green Bay at this point in time, so I'm, I'm with Dallas. The Detroit Lions take on the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford going into his old building um, to take on the team that he couldn't win a Super Bowl with. Um, Jared Goff is now hosting the team he couldn't win a Super Bowl with in the Los Angeles Rams. So two players that are going to have a lot of uh, 
uh, fire in this game. I think the Rams are playing their best bit of football here late. I like teams that get hot late. Um, I am going to surprise it, and I'm going to say the Rams beat the Lions in Ford Field. You know, I think missing Laporta is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. that's absolutely huge. Um, yeah, I mean, St. Brown is an absolute stud, but not having that, that second big option that, uh, that Goff has relied on, I think, is a, a big big deal and I also think none of it rattled Stafford so I'm with you actually I'm going with the Rams and the final game of the wild card round is the Philadelphia Eagles visiting this is the one thing that I've said you can get in um, for winning your division but you should not host a playoff game just because you win your division Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have to go to the nine and eight Tampa Bay Buccaneers Uh, if Sirianni and the Eagles lose, Sirianni better be fired. And I say better be, even though they just got to a Super Bowl last year, because as soon as all of his coordinators left, as soon as his defense and offensive coordinators left, this team seemingly has fallen apart to the seams. The defense has gotten worse. One guy, they they, they let a couple of guys go, but all we heard was, look at all of these young guys that were waiting in the wings. They're so good. They're so great. Well, that's changed. Jalen Hurts doesn't look like the same guy that Shane Steichen, um, the offensive coordinator last year, this year, Indianapolis Santa coach, um, helped build. If they lose, Sirianni's job, I think, is in serious trouble. I just don't see them losing this game. I got the Eagles. Yeah, I could see them losing this game because they have been unimpressive. But I still think it's hard hard for me to see – I, I just Tampa Bay also has weapons; they can score. But mm-hmm. you know, I would I would almost put them equal all the way through, except I have a little more faith in the Eagles and Jalen Hurts' offense than I do in Baker Mayfield. So uh, it's tough. I can see them losing this game, but I'm also going with the Eagles. I think it'll be a close one. All right, he is Gus. He joins us every single Thursday, top of hour number two. Gus, always appreciate your time, my man. Hey, my pleasure. Talk to you next week, buddy. Talk to you next week. Gus, uh, he is my longest radio pal, and we always enjoy his conversation. Take a break. We'll be back. You're not that guy. That is next. You are listening to 1430 ESPN. You're also listening to those Zay Gonzalez Show. got to get there. We're almost there. Let's go. Let's go.
Come on. You, you know you know you're bobbing your head a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. I know we're a sports station, but it's okay to have fun from time to time. You're listening to those Egg Gonzalez show Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. and on Fridays, beginning at noon on 1430. ESPN, your local sports leader. Also, want to remind every single one of you to go and follow us on social media at 1430 ESPN, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Download the app, 1430 ESPN. Friends know, and as well, you know you can listen to the live stream on the website, on the app, on both of those, and you can listen to the terrestrial signal. There you go. All right, all right. And now, with that being said, if it is a Thursday, if it is our number two, that only means one thing. Trust me, you're not that guy. Okay. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. Are you? Absolutely. You're not that guy. For you're not that guy here on the Jose Gonzalez show and someone that's not that guy. We head to, to the United Kingdom, to the country of England, London to be exact. A 26-year-old man who was tried, uh, who, who tried, not who's tried, who tried to sell what he claimed was a walking stick used by the late Queen Elizabeth II has been sentenced for defrauding eBay buyers, Drew Marshall from Hampshire in southern England claimed he was a senior footman at Windsor Castle and that the uh, that the proceeds from the sale of the uh, antler walking stick would go to cancer research. The auction had reached 540 pounds before he canceled the listing after learning police had launched an investigation. He was found guilty of fraud by false representation at Southampton uh, Magistrates Court and sentenced on Monday to a 12-month community order. Quote, Drew Marshall used the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II to try and hoodwink. I'm going to pause. <laughs> I'm just going to take a, a quick pause. What a word. What a phrase. I, I love, let's redo this, okay? Quote, Drew Marshall used the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II to try and hoodwink the public with a fake charity auction fueled by greed and a desire for attention. Marshall's scheme was ultimately foiled before he could successfully con any unsuspecting victims, end quote. I guess we, uh, I guess our bid for the uh, walking stick the antler walking stick of the uh, of the queen is, uh, is 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 voided. I guess our our bid our bid was gone. I, I think we were the top bid for it. So, uh, uh, yeah. So there, there you go. All right, that was your not that guy. Take a break. We'll be back to close out the hour. You're listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show. Hour three of the Jose Gonzalez Show. Number 
number three of the Jose Gonzalez Show gets going right about now. 50 seconds past the hour of 9 a.m. here in Fresno, California. Appreciate every single one of you for joining us and tuning in. Uh, because I want to get to the conversation, let's get to the weather report here. Currently 40 degrees in Fresno. Uh, the expected high today, 51 degrees. 36 degrees is the overnight low. Um, tomorrow, 52 degrees. On Saturday, some rain expected in the valley. 60% chance, 47 degrees there. Um, 57 on Sunday. And then winter's kind of over because we go to about the 60-degree weather days after that um, uh, for the next week or so. So uh, there you go. Every weather report brought to you by Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating. If you have an AC heater unit issue, you got maintenance that needs to get done. You call our friends at Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating. They have got you covered. All right. With that being said, um, he is the Fresno City Rams baseball coach. That is Mitch Carricker. Um, Mitch, uh, appreciate you for the, taking the time today to join the show. Thanks, Gonzo. Always love being here. Now, uh, so, Coach, um, we were talking about this prior to the the show. It's really it's light uh, light sports news day uh, around the world right now, and in, in uh, the world of college football and the NFL. Yeah, I was I woke up and I was kind of surprised you even wanted me on the show with everything going <laughs> on. You know, NFL football, and then three of arguably the greatest football coaches of all time um, are all out right now. And so um, the fact that I get to be on here during that time is, is pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I, there's no way I'm, I was canceling this conversation. I, I was, I was uh, excited for it since we spoke uh, last week or the beginning of this week uh, about bringing you on. Now, one of the things that actually intrigues me about this, and I want your opinion because you followed a legend right in Ron Scott he followed a legend as well um Bill Belichick leaving the New England Patriots that's a legend mm -hmm. Pete Carroll leaving the Seattle Seahawks after bringing them their first championship mm -hmm. that's a legend Nick Saban legend mm -hmm. how do you mentally go into those because I know I asked you that question when you were going into the job your past year one you, you, you did a great job last year. The team looked really good. Saw a couple of games. By the way, when I go, I stay away from everybody. I just kind of watch and stay from a distance. Um, watched a couple of games last year when it wasn't rained mm -hmm. out because there was a lot of rain last year. A lot year. of rain last year. Um, what, is, what is the mentality going into it? Because it seems to be, well, I have to respect what was done. I have to um, understand how it was left. But I also want to... Be myself I want to be me because I'm not him how do you go about that yeah I mean that at that level you know where those guys are at they're under a microscope way more than I am at Fresno City right but I think like you said you understand the tradition that those guys have set the standard of excellence at each one of those programs but at the same time I think Pete Carroll said it yesterday you got to understand who you are and what will make you the best version of yourself. And so go, each person that's going to go into those jobs can't try to be Bill Belichick or Nick Saban or Pete Carroll, right? They need to be whoever they are and try to uphold the standard of excellence that those guys have set. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see. What, what is your, who, what's your take? What, what are you looking at right now? Because Bill Belichick looks like he might go to the Falcons. Um, Carol apparently maybe going up into the administration part of things, advisory role. Nick Saban, he's like, I'm out. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, he's in his 70s, so you respect the, the, the heck out of that. Sure. Um, but I want to ask you the Nick Saban part of this because college athletics has changed drastically mm -hmm. over the last three, four years. Over the last what feels like seven months, mm -hmm. it has been a whirlwind of a transfer portal, a lot of different things. 
you at the JUCO level um, are also having to bear the brunt of that change because athletes that used to get scholarships are not getting scholarships now. And athletes that were accustomed that you knew were going Division One and have absolute Division One talent are like, well, I have to, I'm, I don't, it's not a bad thing. It's, I just, I always have to remind people about that. The Juco route is for a lot of people. It was for me as a soccer player. I went the Juco route to get a four year offer. Yep. Um, then I quit because my legs were, were not good <laughs> enough. Um, but when you consider the points of players that might be playing, and, and that means your competition too might be Absolutely. getting some players yeah. that should be at a D1 level, but isn't at the D1 level. How much has it changed the JUCO side of things as well as you guys have to go and recruit and get guys to come in? Yeah, I, I think at, at the Nick Saban level, it's gone from recruiting high school kids and junior college kids. So now you're recruiting your own players, right? Players that are in your program, you're continuing to have to appeal to them mm -hmm. and make sure that they're happy. And that's, that's a lot of work and that's exhausting. Um, for us at the JUCO level, I think it's a benefit, right? So we're, we should be getting a higher level of athlete more frequently. Um, that doesn't mean we're going to get everybody. Uh, we still have, you know, three or four kickbacks that, you know, they went on to those levels and, mm -hmm. you know, it didn't work out probably because of transfer portal and different reasons of recruiting and, and they're back home now. And, um, like you said, I think the JUCO route is, is a great avenue for kids who, even if they go to a four year, they're probably not going to play. Right. And I think how you get better and how you develop, uh, in any sport is you you play it, right? And so I think at the JUCO level for those fringy D1 guys, it's a good option to kind of look at to say, okay, I can go and I can get 150, 200 at-bats for the next two years, and I, that'll probably prepare me better than sitting on the bench at a four-year program mm -hmm. for the first two years. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I want to go as well in the developmental aspect of it um, because those guys are going to get the at-bats or get to, to be on the mound for the, those uh, amount of innings. Um has it changed your approach uh, at, at the way you develop? Or is it, hey, I want to develop you the exact same way I've been doing this, the way that I've learned how to do this because this is, this is my way? Or has it changed a little bit because of the style of player maybe changed a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that I've developed players doesn't change. Um, baseball is so uh, individualized, both on the pitching side and the position player side. So everybody's going to be a little bit different, right? And so we try to develop guys, obviously a core of foundation stuff. And then off of that, you know, what mechanics works best for them in their swing and their defensive routines and their pitching mechanics. Um, and so we're, we do a really good job. I think my staff, especially of when we look at a guy, yes, we teach them what our team concept is, but also we take, take them aside individually and say, Hey, here's the areas that we think we can get better at and, and make you the best player we can. You know, one thing that has intrigued me, Mitch, is is the competitive drive that it seems like a lot of parents have with their young kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I say that because I was watching this video and it was like this dad going indoor drills today. And I think it was like this 10 year old, 11 year old. And he's like doing all of these things. And um, it was raining outside. So he's like, we got to put the work in it, it, it today. You having been at so many levels and having gone and, and been around the game in different parts of the, 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 the state and country, do you see that parents are getting 
overly involved in that aspect of overtraining their kids and maybe burning them out a little bit sooner than they potentially could. Um, is there a balance to that? Um, and like, what would your insight be on how players should go? Because I remember as a kid, when I was in little league, they didn't make us pitch that often, but my cousin who is now at the major level, um, who we knew he had it when we were young, he just had no control. Um, but he had a, a, a little bit of a dead arm at 13 mm -hmm. and they had to rework his arm and redevelop his arm and go through all of those things at 13 years of age. And this is what 2006, 2007, um, so this is almost 10 year, uh, 20 years ago yeah. now. I know it's gotten way past that now, 20 years, almost 20 years later. So what, like, what is the, the recommendation that you would give parents as to the development? And has it gone a little past the, the we're just training to you're already training for Major League Baseball when you're 10 years old? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a parent myself, right? So I think about it from that perspective. Obviously, I want the best for my kid, right? And if they're passionate about something, I want to give them every opportunity to thrive in that environment. And so I think there is a balance in that of, okay, be available for your, for your kid to, if he's really passionate about baseball and he wants to do the lessons and he wants to do the extra work, great. Give him that opportunity. But don't make it a forced deal. That's my thought mm -hmm. on it. And I think there's there's parents that struggle with what that line is, right? Because you do want to push them too, right? So, yeah. I mean, I think it's a fine line. Um, there's definitely parents that I've seen that are over the top a little bit that are living vicariously through their, their son or daughter. Um, but there's other parents that do a fantastic job of it. I think Coach Scott said to me one time, you know, his daughters were phenomenal softball players. But it was the same thing of – if you want to go ahead, if you want to take ground balls, that's great, but I'm never going to force you to do mm -hmm. that. Right. And I think, I think that's a great way to go about it. Some good perspective of let's give our kids every opportunity they want to do anything that they want. Um, but let's not force them into anything. Yeah. It, it also seems, um, that that issue lies more in pitchers, mm -hmm. uh, than it does in position players because of how much they play. Right. Um, is it like, hey, we should be taking care of their arms a little bit more, especially because of like the torque and the amount of power that these young pitchers have nowadays where yeah. they're constantly throwing 93, 94. Um, in, in your mind, when should you start learning different pitches? Because like I know as a kid growing up, again, I wasn't a pitcher. I was a second baseman because I had the weakest arm on the team, mm -hmm. right, in Little League. And they were like, yeah, you go to second because you can, you can get it to first. Um and uh, like I know that I heard like okay you're just throwing fastballs don't don't worry about anything else learn how to throw your fastball and then maybe we'll put in that next pitch later on in your development um is that still the case does things still prove to that side of things like hey don't twist their arm early in in their age when they're throwing sliders curveballs whatever the heck is that still the case in development, or has it changed? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same. I mean, it's it's hard. You watch the Little League World Series and all these tournaments that go on, these perfect games and PBR and all this stuff, and, and kids like to win and parents like to win and coaches mm. like to win. So, okay, let's start throwing curveballs because kids can't hit curveballs, right? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? I think it's more of the volume right now mm. for, for young athletes. Um, I was on a panel – couple months ago with Rick Limbo and he was talking about, you know, just 
how much kids are throwing these days. You know, it's 11, 12 months yeah. a year, right? And I think for a normal, even adult big leaguer, he's throwing nine, 10 months a year, right? And so, and that's even excessive at, at their level. Yeah. So I think understanding the volume of it, um, fastballs and changeups have always been for me the foundation of pitching. The breaking ball is going to come when it comes. Um, and again, every kid's different. Everybody grows a little bit different. So uh, when do you start? learning new pitches probably you know between your 11 to 14 years um of age but there's no real science to yeah. okay this is when we can start throwing breaking balls right it's just going to be dependent on the kid and for me it's just managing how much they're throwing yeah I, and I, I agree i think that that's one of the big keys is we want to go to every tournament to put our kids in front of every scout and every person For possible sure. yeah. um, because we want their success. Yes. How, how do you tiptoe that line is, is obviously up to the parents and, exactly. and how, how they develop that, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. It's all up to them. Um, 34th annual Fresno City Baseball Dinner Dance Auction. Mm -hmm. I was there last year. Well, we were all there last year yeah. um, and had some fun and enjoyed. It was really cool. It was... It, it, Last year was that handing off, right? right? It was Coach Scott officially in front of everybody saying, yes. Mitch is the guy. Yeah. He's the next Fresno City baseball coach. Um, uh, Len Bordet, I, I don't remember if he was there. No, um, I don't think he was he, there. I don't last think he year. was there either, but I remember seeing the picture of you three together mm -hmm. uh, last year as well, almost yeah. a year ago. Yeah. What was it like for the 33rd annual baseball? Because it was packed, Mitch. It oh. was up to the brim in there and it was awesome to see because it looked like everybody was behind you and this program and that was a great sight to see yeah i mean it was overwhelming um extremely grateful i mean uh, the community uh of fresno clovis and the, the valley uh, was overwhelmingly supportive of the transition of us and um it was a really fun event. It, mm -hmm. Like you said, it was packed. It was a lot of work, but man, it, it was a lot of fun when it, when it all went down. Um, looking forward to another great dinner this year. Um, you know, now this is kind of my first dinner where Ron's not as involved. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Ron's going to be there, um, and we're going to honor some of our former players with some awards that we haven't given out in previous years. Um, and, and just try to make it what it has been for the last 30 plus years, right? I mean, I think one of the great legacies of Ron Scott is that dinner. Mm -hmm. um, and it's more than just Fresno City baseball. It's Fresno City athletics. It's the baseball community in this valley and how much um, they love this sport. And bringing everybody together under one roof to enjoy that and celebrate that is pretty fun. And the fact that we get to host it, uh, is a pretty, pretty special honor. Yeah. It's at the Valdez hall. Mm -hmm. Um, this upcoming year is January 20th. Yes. It, it is a Saturday. Yeah. Um, tickets still available. How can you get those? Um, I know individual tickets are available as well as tables, um, which I would highly more recommend because yeah. you get to be in your, your own yeah. space with all the people that you want to be around. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, how do, how do people get those? Yeah. I mean, you can, uh, you can reach out to my, myself 559-273-1101 um we got single tickets for about a hundred dollars um tables of 10 go for 850 um put your business name on there your name on there whatever you want um pardini's does a fantastic steak dinner mm -hmm. uh, full bar 
uh, a fabulous silent auction and we do some live auction and then uh, my brother Brett is going to be the DJ this year so okay. we're really, he's going to light it up on the dance floor so we're hoping we dance the night away yeah um, last year uh, I think Gabe was trying to get everything he kept walking around <laughs> uh, and I'm like Gabe come on man we, we work in the same place you can't get all those things I, I know that um, I, I did a couple of uh, uh, of um, uh, bids myself on, on a couple of things, but I am the uh, worst when it comes to that because I don't know what the market's going to say. Right. I'm just like, ah, right. that, that, that yeah. looks fine. I, I think you that's just got to keep checking, right? You got to keep circling and circling See, like vultures. The, the, the thing is, I started talking too much, right? I had... Uh, <laughs> That's, I had a couple. That's shocking. You talking too much? I had a couple of drinks, right? <laughs> um, Chris Pacheco, owner, he was there, and he's he's yeah. he's the party, right? Yeah. And I remember I was like, "Hey, did we not? I forgot to check." I, I like I, I remember telling right. my wife, "I'm like, I I forgot to check. I, we probably lost." Yeah. Um, but I remember there was a couple of things last year. She was like, "Oh, this is really cool," mm -hmm. and so. Um, I know the silent auction is always great. Yeah. Um, and it's always phenomenal to go check a lot of things out. Um. The event itself uh, is a great event. And what does it help you guys with? What what does it set for Fresno City uh, baseball and obviously athletics in having this kind of dinner and bringing community together? People that maybe aren't in the, under the same roof throughout the entire year. Um, players come back. Staff is there. Um, baseball community is there. How, how how much does this really, really help you guys? Uh, I'm tremendously. I mean, obviously, financially, it helps support our program throughout the season and into the fall. Um, but the community aspect is a big part uh, of what we do, right? And we wouldn't be Fresno City without what our Little League programs do, what our high school programs do. And so we try to invite as many of those people in as, as well and try to basically say thank you. Um, for what you've done for our student athletes from the time they were young mm -hmm. all the way to the time till they get to us, right? We wouldn't have a really good team if we didn't have unbelievable high schools in the area and, and unbelievable junior high school programs in the area, right? And so I think that connection is huge for us. And then obviously reaching out to maybe some, some future families, right, that might be part of our Ram family down the road um, and honoring the past, right? We, it's the former players like the Mike Brinks of the world and the Connor Brogdons mm -hmm. and those kind of guys that, you know, have really poured their heart and soul into Fresno city baseball, get to come back and enjoy, you know, a night of celebrating our program and the tradition that those guys built. Now, um, I know this happened in November of last year, but we haven't been uh, able to talk about this on the air. Uh, and uh, that, that is uh, the, uh, the day day um, world series. Mm -hmm. um, and, what you guys do with that and how that kind of how does that bring the team together how, how how cool is it to kind of do something like that where you are competitive and and everybody wants to win oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're playing at the juco level you're a competitive person that's right, right. um so it might be november but they want to talk some smack to each other oh yeah um which i love to do how how does that go about? How how cool is that to see the guys kind of reignite and, and and get get going a little early? Yeah, I mean they they ask about the day day series. I think from August on. I mean that <laughs> is something they really look forward to, um, and rightfully so. I mean we, I basically step away. Coach Tittle and Coach Oliver draft the team, so they're in full control. The guys know what side they're on. They wear di different jerseys, um, and 
it, it's just you know the the le- the the legacy of Day Day, right? And what he was about kind of is what that series yeah. is about, right? It, uh, the consummate Ram, uh, the ultimate team guy. Um, and so we remember him in that series and then the competitiveness comes out where, like you said, the, the talking smack and competitive games, and they were really competitive this fall. And, and that's, if we can instill that competitiveness in our guys from an early on stage, that's going to be the most important part of what we do in the spring. So it's a great way to end the fall. I just have to throw this in there. Also Edison Tiger. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, it, it, that's the funny thing. Gabe and I are both Edison Tigers, yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy to think. Both of us are here, obviously. And, and uh, I, I went to school with Day Day, so mm-hmm. I definitely remember him yeah. um, and remember what he meant to the baseball team there at yes. Edison as well. Um, just quickly, because I know you got to go, um, and that is some of the players on your team. I'm looking at what those rosters were, mm-hmm. and I'm remembering a lot of these guys that I called their high school games. Yes. Across the street, some of them, yep. right? Right yep. here at Bullard High School. Uh, but guys like the Bacajaros uh, um, and uh, Wallace, some of those guys that I'm just looking at and remembering immediately, Acosta, uh, Moltini, uh, Davies. How is this team shaping out? How is this team looking? Is one through eight or one through nine ready is do you know or is it we're still having some competitions on some of the guys some of the positions yeah this team is um much deeper than we were last year especially on the position player side um there's competition all over the field um and and our roster size is a little bit bigger than than it was last year and that part of that's on purpose um so guys can push one another um i don't think any job is really won yet um Mm which is exciting for me. I think that keeps guys hungry. And even if they feel like they've won it, the guy behind them is really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yes, I think one through 20 feels like where we're at right now, nice. um, which is a really a blessing for us. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when it all shakes out this, I think offensively, we have a chance to be really, really good. Um, on the mound, you know, we lost uh, Noah Galvin. We lost Christian Williams, which were two of our horses the last two years. Um, but that gives an opportunity for Cam Cunnings, Herman Luna, um, uh, Devin Daniel, who's a newcomer this year, uh, and a few other guys, uh, Austin Watson from Buchanan High School is back, um, and a number of others, Aaron McCurley, who's one of our best relievers last year. You know, we need some of those guys to eat up more of those innings. And then a few of our freshmen that have been some pleasant surprises um, that we're really excited about. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity for guys to play. And um, it's going to be a really fun year to see who develops and who, you know, emerges. Because there's always those surprises that that come out um, that we're really excited about. And so we're really high on this year's team. Obviously, you know, they're still going to have to put in the work and, uh, show up when the lights come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like where we're at. And I think as a team overall, finishing with the day-to-day series in the fall, um, that team chemistry that we were really big on last year is starting starting to come together. So Now, one of the things that intrigues me uh, about this, your guys' season is coming up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it always feels like, oh, it ended. And then it's like, oh, it's right here again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the exact same way I feel about Major League Baseball, right? It's, oh, the World Series. And then, okay, we're, we're getting ready to go. Um, what excites you the most about this team this year um, after year one, getting through that, getting uh, through having to see some of the things that maybe you hadn't had to deal with as a head coach and you weren't the guy that was dealing with right. it, someone else was dealing with it. Now you were the end-all, be-all of everything, uh, it, it, obviously with your program. 
What excites you about year two and what excites you about this team? Yeah, I think anytime you go through something, right, that experience is going to help you down the road. Um, so being through it for a year for me has, has been great. I feel like I'm more prepared than I was last year. And I think our players have a better understanding of what the expectation is and how we're going to run things and what spring is going to look like. You know, when how does coach run an offense, right? Nobody really knew how that was going to go mm -hmm. until we got into the season. Well, now they understand what that looks like. They understand the dynamics of our staff. Our staff hasn't changed. Um, and so that I think that consistency will be good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the older guys continue to mentor the younger guys and hopefully, you know, as high hopes as we have for this season, hopefully uh, we we uh, fulfill those high hopes. Absolutely, we hope you do as well. Here, we 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 uh, we are supporters absolutely of the program here at fourteen thirty ESPN. Um, January twentieth is the event, and it is a great event for people to go out. Um, enjoy some fun, enjoy a night, enjoy a phenomenal dinner, mm -hmm. um, which I still remember from last year. <laughs> um, and go have some fun and, and uh, help the Fresno City program yes. compete and continue to be competitive and be able to continue to be one of the best programs in the state of California and the country. Um, so we are always supporting you and your success, Coach, and, and we are uh, always happy to have you on the show. Again, January 20th. Um, could you give the information on how people can get tickets again, just so we we hammer that in? Yeah, reach out to me, 559-273-1101. Shoot me a text, give me a call. Would love to get you guys hooked up with some tickets. It's going to be a really, really fun night. Um, would love to see you there. And if you somehow didn't get that, gonzo at 1430espnfresno.com. If you email me, I will send you straight to Coach so he can so he can help you out as well. Um, or at 1430 ESPN, we will help you get to Coach as well uh, to make sure you guys get to this event. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate you, Gonzo. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Jose Gonzalez Show. Jose Gonzalez Show, Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. And on Fridays, beginning at noon on your local sports leader, 1430 ESPN. Man, that was a great conversation with Mitch Carricker, Fresno City College baseball coach. I'm telling you, go support the Rams. January 20th is uh, their... Uh, it's a fundraiser, but it's not really a fundraiser. It's a night of fun, dinner, silent auction, dancing. If you like to dance, if you're me, you know, a little bit of robot moves that you can put them on display on the dance floor. My wife tells me not to dance in public. Um, I don't know. If I, yeah, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, anyway, Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. She joins us every single Tuesday. Top of hour number three. But instead... Because we had breaking news yesterday, and she is our Alabama person. 
She joins us today, but we got to give her her walk-up music. Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. She joins me now. Angelique, good morning. Good morning to you. I feel like my walk-up song today should have been Sweet Home Alabama, Dixieland Delight, something of that nature. Uh, you know... Maybe maybe our outro music yeah, because, yeah, you yeah. know, it's just symbolic. It's emotional. It's all the things. Now, is that the only music that they play um, in the state of Alabama? I mean, for game days, mostly. Um He's a huge Thunderstruck fan. Ah, so, you okay. know, they play that as they run out on the field, gets everybody going. But yeah, classics like that. So a la Tony D. Um, Tony, yes. yeah, you know, yes. I Thunderstruck in the middle yep. of his uh, yep. of his show. All right. So reason Angelique is here, not only is she's a friend, but also because she's an Alabama alumni. She went to the university. She uh, she trot Derrick Henry, one of the rare people that has ever tackled Derrick Henry. It's true. Um, and uh, she on did the it. quad. Yeah, she she just she said she looked at him. She goes, "I got him." Uh, I think Austin was like, "Ah." And then, yeah, Derrick Henry was coming towards us, and everyone <laughs> parted off the sidewalk like it was. We parted the sea for the man. So. Yeah. No. And, and and guess what? I've As you seen, should. I've seen him once. Once. A massive human being. And I'm like, I didn't know they made people like nope. this. You know, like, yeah. I didn't know there was humans and that you know, look we're like, like this. We're like 20 at the time, and I'm like, what? This man looks like he's 35 years old, does not belong in college. You know, isn't it funny how some of these guys. In college, look like they're like they're adult grown Absolutely. men. Absolutely. And then you come to a, a you know a smaller place, and you're like, oh, okay, so this is what this is what normal twenty two <laughs> year olds look like, or this whatever. Is how, yeah, you this know? is how they're supposed yeah. to look, right? And then there's these genetically SEC, SEC boys that don't look anything. Yeah, even even Pac twelve guys, yeah. like they're massive. Yeah, it, it's insane. Mm-hmm. It, it is absolute insanity. So I'm gonna give you the floor. You knew I was going to do this. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you the floor, your feelings, your emotions, what the uh, roller coaster of emotions you went through when you found out. Um, were there tears? Were there? Uh, was there sadness? Um, was there? There is still sadness. A closure of a book. Did it feel like you finished your favorite book, um, and now you're that like that? I never wanted to end. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. I'm still sad. I think I'm going to be sad for a long time because as an Alabama alum and you ask anybody, any age, it doesn't matter. They want that man to be the coach for the rest of eternity. And I understand he's 72 years old. He's already won seven national titles, six at Alabama. The man's been there 17 years. He's tired. All right. He's got grandkids. He's allowed that right to enjoy his life and golf and not have to stress. And it's a high stress job. You see the guy screaming throwing the headsets that's not good for a 72 year old on the sideline and i think just he you know he's obviously stated the way the game is, has become with nil and everything involved in that and the transfer portal and the craziness of it all that it might just be too much for him he's an old school guy old school football coach nothing wrong with that but i think obviously the game has changed a lot and he's had enough so I was on my way to work yesterday when I found out and I'm at a red light and my phone's blowing up and I'm like, what is going on? 
Nick Saban retiring. And mm. my jaw dropped. I called my parents immediately. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, Nick Saban's retiring. Like what? Like I lost it. Very sad. Um, Austin was very sad. Yeah. My boyfriend who also went to Alabama, Alabama who, who lives in Fresno with me. Um, we're very upset about it because I think it was shocking um, because we didn't know that that Rose Bowl game was going to be his final game. And Luckily, were you, were you guys were at we that were there. Game, right? Luckily, we were there. Um, so that's really cool to say that we at least saw his final game at Alabama, but we had no idea that it was going to be. And I think people would feel better if they had a warning or, but you know, I understand why he didn't, because if you go into a season saying, this is my last one, all the whole season is going to be about him. It's not going to be about the players. It's going to be about Saban going out this, that I get it why he didn't say anything, but, um, it still hurts. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not only uh, about the season being about him, but now you're giving recruits an inkling Absolutely. to move. You he waited until after the transfer portal closed. Absolutely. And um, that uh, was interesting enough. Um, one of the things that I've said, and this isn't a bad thing. I think people hear it and immediately um, tie it into, well, he's saying that uh, he can't win in this era. No. I believe Nick Saban stepped away because of his age, mm -hmm. one. Two, because players were no longer willing to sit behind and wait their turn. Absolutely, which is the Alabama way. You sit, you don't play till you're either, you know, sometimes a junior or senior, and you make the most of it. And those guys who waited, the Devontae Smiths, you know, the, the running backs, every year there's a new running back. All the quarterbacks. Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, you know, Damian Harris, all these guys, they wait till they get their shot. And if they prove it, they still get drafted. You don't need to be a starter at Alabama for three, four years to get drafted in the NFL. You got to prove what you have with the time that you're given. And I think that was a big thing for him, obviously. You know, Tua had to sit. Jalen Hurts had to sit. Mac Jones had to sit. And look at where those, I mean, Mac Jones, you know, but look at where those guys ended up and but, where they're but at. But that goes back to your point. If Mac Jones started three years, does he get drafted in the first Absolutely round? Absolutely not. Mac Jones transfers to a smaller school somewhere else. Yeah. And, and and that goes back to your point. And if you have one great year, mm -hmm. junior, senior year at Alabama, it need. is like a three-year career. Absolutely. It's all um, you need. And again, I reiterate, it's not a bad thing what I'm saying because I almost feel so much that it's a guarantee that Nick Saban would walk into those room and tell them, hey, you're not playing your freshman year. Absolutely. Hey, you're coming in and you're going to have to work your tail off and earn everything you get. Now, a lot of young men hear that, see Alabama's success, and go, I can handle that. I can handle getting yelled at every day at practice mm -hmm. but not playing. And then they go in there, and they find out, man, this, this is hard. Yeah, and this then they transfer tough. out, and, and you know they don't feel like waiting, and, and it is what it is. But you know what you're getting when you go to school there. And I think another thing that's big about Saban is that he is consistent with you know preaching leadership and growth and maturity and all those things. And you don't always find that everywhere. You know, there's there's freshman quarterbacks that start and at some schools and then they're all over the place, hopping, jumping around school to school. There's no consistency there. And, you know, they're just they're just trying to get the best of whatever. And especially now with NIL, you know, they're just going where the check is the biggest. And that doesn't mean you're going to play or do anything. And the whole point of this is to play football, to be on a winning program, to, you know, have that opportunity. And if you're just chasing an NIL check, then what are we doing here? Yeah. You know, it's it, not it, it, that's not that's not what it once was. And I think that's 
you know, the, obviously that's changed it completely. One of the things that I uh, started off the show saying is there's a thing of at will employees and there's a thing about contractual employees, mm -hmm. right? You get extensions when you're a contractual employee. You work that to keep and stay where you are. College players right now are at-will employees, essentially. They're not going to say that. College football is not going to say that. And the majority of the country is not going to say that because they view it differently. But they are employees. If we're going to say that they get paid by their scholarship, they're employees. Um, so for me, it's more so of dictating those things. Okay, well, now you have to sign a two-year, three-year contract, and then after that second or third year, whatever it is, and if you want to leave and enter the portal and go into this route, maybe that, maybe that is um, something that happens. Um, but it, that, I think, is something that presses um, in this. And so, uh, for me, that is something we're going to have to pay attention to. That is something that could potentially come. I, I've said I don't know if there needs to be a restriction on NIL. I don't really care about NIL as much as I care about players being tampered with while they're on other teams, getting spoken to by boosters, by companies to say, hey, if you enter the portal, we'll give you X amount of money to come to X university. That's the problem right now. It's not NIL. It's the way it's all functioning and the way that there are no rules really to keep them from doing things. And I'm sure, you know, Bama players are going to get poached and it's going to be it's going to be a craziness. And, and who knows how it's going to look next season. But the people who want to be a part of that program and to trust in what Nick Saban has established and taught them. And, mm -hmm. you know, he, he still went to work today. They showed a video of him pulling up. He still wants to help with the transition of it all. He still wants to, you know... The man can't just all of a sudden retire and never work again in his life. That's not who he is, clearly. That's why he's been doing this for so long. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was a sad day. I'm still sad about it. I'm going to be sad. For a while. Yeah. When that first game happens, you're going to look at – they're going to show the sideline and Nick Saban might be there in a dress shirt and slacks. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be sad. I don't, like I said, I don't think he'll be able to be away from the program completely. I think he'll be there constantly. I and I think he'll be kind of like an advisor or somebody, you know, for advice, whatever it may be, um, for the next coach. Because I feel bad for the guy who's got to follow in Nick Saban's footsteps. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. You do, but you don't, you know, because you're you're taking over a, a historic, you know, the legacy that he built and, you know, the foundation that he set there. But you don't want to, you don't want to be that guy. You're going to be compared to Nick Saban the rest of, you know. If you're three seasons in, you still haven't won a national championship or even competed. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, like this is the standard. <laughs> and that's another thing that people aren't, you know, really, I guess, used to or realize till they see all the numbers. 17 seasons, every four years at least, you know, a class won a national championship. If you were there from freshman to senior, you won at least one national championship. That is crazy for this man to win six in his time in Tuscaloosa. And, you know... It's true. Us Alabama alums, us Alabama fans, were spoiled. They won two national championships when I was a student, and they lost one. You know, it's it, you were always there. You were always in the conversation. You know, we don't know any different. So for these last few years, their last one came in 2020. So obviously, you know, they're in the playoff this year. It's it, whatever. You know, they lose their final game to Michigan, but what a game. You know, hit, amazing game, overtime. It's not like it was... A beat down, yeah. Yeah, anything of that nature. So, you know, now, obviously, we were upset at the time. We were like, wow, 
wow, like, you know, that sucks how it ended, whatever that play. But, like, now more than ever, we're like, wow, like, we were so lucky that we got to see his last game. Yep. You know. And we'll we'll talk about that, the the playoffs and, and the Rose Bowl. One of the things that I want to mention here, because this kind of ties back into Fresno State, and what I kind of said yesterday, I started off the show yesterday talking about Measure E. Um, I started the show yesterday talking Measure E and also um, going into why athletics, especially football success, means so much. And these numbers to me – that uh, I, I want to give the guy credit, uh, Joe Pompliano, um, put these numbers out. Nick Saban, six-time national championship, nine-time SEC championship uh, champion, 206 wins, 29 career, uh, 29 losses in 17 seasons. Um, what interests me the most, when Nick Saban arrived in 2007, Alabama's enrollment um, was 25,000 students. Since then, it's increased to 40,000 students, 60% jump compared to a national average of 10%. Um, students pay three times more in annual tuition. It went from, th it's 32,000 now, from 11,000 mm -hmm. where it was. And uh, Alabama paid him $130 million over 16 seasons. He made them way more money than that Absolutely. was uh, given to him. And the reason I bring up those numbers is because people don't understand the importance of football enough. And I continuously say it because people that are going against Measure E, which again, I'm telling you, vote whatever way you want. But it makes a difference. That's absolutely don't lie. And I'm a prime example of wanting to go to a school where football's a winning program and it's a fun and it's an experience and you go and you know you're going to get the best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that there was many other reasons, but that was you know, that's what draw me. That's what drew me to Alabama. You know, nobody if it's a losing program, they're not even on your radar, nope. you know, and a lot of people I went to school can say that, you know, my my boyfriend, he, you know, was very smart in high school and luck, luckily got a scholarship, among other things. But like he wanted to go to a school where football was good. We mm -hmm. care about it. We care about college football. We care about the experience we're going to have. If you're going to spend four years of your life there, like you're going to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. And I'll gladly say Nick Saban's a big reason why I went to school there. Yeah. You no, know, and, and that is the honest truth that people I don't I understand enough. I think people don't enough. understand also, like, that's why we care so much. You know, like, when you hear the news yesterday, you're like, you know, like, I feel like it's crazy to say. But, like, you know, we feel like he's a part of us, especially as alums. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's different when you watch a college football game when you went to that school. You feel it more. You feel the emotions with the team. Like, it's, it's different when – you went to school there for four years and you can represent that school for the rest of your life. Like, And you went to class with football players and absolutely. saw them. Especially and being in communications. You know, I had classes with Tua, Jalen Hurts, a bunch of receivers, you know, a lot of guys that are in the NFL now. And it's it's crazy. You see them when they're freshmen were in these mass communication classes with 60 other people. And you're like, you know, you can always spot who the athletes are. And you're mm -hmm. like, who's that? Like, who's that new guy? And it was Tua. And it's like, look at look at him now. The face of an NFL franchise. You know, it's it's unbelievable. It is, and the reason I bring it up, and that and, can all come out of little Tuscaloosa. Yeah, you and, know, and that's the point that I'm making is is the 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 financials don't lie. When you are successful in football, your school Absolutely. makes more money. Your Absolutely. school has more tuition. The school benefits. The state benefits. Travel. Everything. The airlines. The airports. Anything and everything. The hotels in Tuscaloosa. The economy around the city. Yeah. Absolutely. What it's done. What he's done. Not only for the town. The state. You know. People in the south in general. Like. 
the Sabins are a very giving family. They're, you know, they give back. They have a lot of foundations to, you know, help people in the local community because the outskirts of Tuscaloosa aren't the best parts mm-hmm. of town. And, you know, they try to make the best of it. Yeah. And, and so, like, that's a, another big point on Nick Saban is um, he didn't just take, he gave a lot back absolutely. to the program and he leaves people, them in a better place than he got them. Absolutely. And people see, you know, him yelling on the sidelines or oh highest paid coach for this many years and they just think you know he's this crazy manic man yelling at football players who only cares about winning football games and yeah that's the majority of it that's his job but they don't know all of it and people think you know Nick Saban you know shortly in the NFL kind of the the reputation he got from the Dolphins and whatever with LSU but it's like you only know it if you're ingrained in it and you're a part of it and it's a sad day. Sad day for college football. Um, sad day for Alabama fans. Nobody will ever live up to it. And, you know, everybody said the same thing about Bear Bryant. They're like, nobody will ever compare to Bear Bryant. In college, I lived on Paul W. Bryant Drive. You know, it, th- nobody thought anybody could come yeah. close to that man. Yeah. And Saban surpassed him. So maybe there'll be a next. I don't know. But for me, it's Saban, you know. The Rose Bowl seems like a really special place. What was your take on going and experiencing the stadium in the atmosphere that was the Unbelievable. semifinal? Unbelievable. So first time we're at the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, obviously we only live a few hours away. We said our team's coming to California. When are we going to get this opportunity again? So let's go. And, you know, spent a lot arm and a leg to do it. But well worth it. The views were incredible. The game was incredible. And again, you know, going to see your school, your team, it just it means more. And people say the SEC, it just means more. It does. Honestly, it does, because we live and breathe it. Yeah. You know, and um, obviously the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but it was a great game back and forth. You know, overtime, all that came with it. You know, we see Nick Saban on the field. We're freaking out. And, you know, we graduated in 2018 and. My boyfriend and I, neither of us have been to a, a Alabama game since that since. year, since the national championship when they won when we were seniors. Mm. So we were like, we were ready for a game. It's been almost, you know, six years. Yeah. We were like ready for it. So um, obviously now knowing that it was Nick Saban's last game, there was we no regrets. <laughs> do, do you agree with the sentiment around college football that that should be a place that is Absolutely. either hosting a semifinal or a championship game every, every year? year? Every year. Unbelievable. Was it that was it that like it was incredible. Okay. Yeah. The sunset, the mountains in the background, just the historicness of of the bowl itself. I mean, as somebody who had you know, I have I've only attended games on the West Coast for work, obviously for Fresno State and whatnot. Um, unbelievable. Never seen anything like it. Dabo Sweeney? No. Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning, Lane, Lane Kiffin. Um, Dan Lanning posted a video today about basically like hyping up Oregon. And he's yeah. not going anywhere. In the team so. meeting, but we've seen that before. Yeah, that's eh, true. Mario Cristobal did that and then left to Florida State. That's uh, true. So I, I, I'm, I just, want, I'm just putting so it on the table. One thing about Dabo, he is a Bama alum, mm-hmm. but we don't claim him. Mm. Okay. Mm. I don't want so, that man so, anywhere near what Nick Saban has built. Okay. Dabo, stay in Clemson. Stay over there with your losing team. We don't want you. Okay. All right. That's that's why and I wanted to that. ask that. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask that. Um, do you believe the and uh, in, in thirty seconds here? Do you believe that the alumni and the program and the university is going to embrace wholeheartedly whoever gets hired, or do you believe there is going to be a a legit split on the it's hire? It's going to be because- a split. They're going to have to work for it and earn our trust. 
because you can't go from the greatest college football coach of all time to just okay. the next guy up. Yeah. So we'll see. Average you know, ain't an option. Average is not an option. The playoffs are the standard, and that's what we expect. Okay. All right. Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47. Um, uh, appreciate you taking the time uh, on a Thursday to come to the show. Thanks for having me. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. We'll take a break. We'll be back to close out the show. You're listening to Those Jose Gonzalez Show. All right, there we are. The show in the books. A big thank you to Angelique Martinez, KC24, CBS 47, um, Ange Martinez TV on Twitter. Also, um, a big thank you to Mitch Carricker, the head coach of the Fresno City Rams, for joining the show. A big thank you to Gus, my longest radio pal, for joining the show, as well as a big, big thank you to all of you. I am grateful for every single one of you, um, as I say it every single time, but every time I mean it a little bit more. I appreciate you guys for tuning in, listening, and being a part of the conversation. Coming up next, the Rich Eisen Show at 10 o'clock at 2 o'clock. There is no sports line to Bulldog Hour today. He comes back on with you guys tomorrow. And at 3 o'clock, home field advantage with Gabe Camarillo live from Fashion Furniture. And then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, be ready. Wild card weekend. We have every single one of those games for all of you. I'll talk to you mañana at noon on 1430 ESPN. This is the Jose Gonzalez Show. Until next time.